Hello and welcome to DFS Coach Talk. I am Andrew Hansen and it is April 15th, 2020, which usually means tax day. This year for many it means stimulus check day. But more importantly here as we talk about baseball, it's Jackie Robinson Day and I'm happy to be joined by Andy Gallagher. So Andy, how are we feeling on Jackie Robinson Day this year? Wonderful. Great player. Um, great uh, starting point for the league, really, and historical um, figure for Major League Baseball. So it's really happy uh, uh, day to just focus some a uh, little bit of attention on that. Maybe later on, could even uh, put the movie on. Maybe that'll help with uh, appreciating, you know, that place in uh, Major League Baseball history. Yeah, what a what a tremendous figure, just unmatched for me in terms of the combination of courage and athleticism, multi-sport athlete. And just an incredible figure for baseball and American history. And it was 73 years ago today that he broke the color barrier. So big shout out to Jackie Robinson and his family. Um, just tremendous. So glad we can be talking about baseball here today, Andy, on such a historic day. And usually you get to see all the tributes across Major League Baseball. So, yeah, we'll just have to do our own sort of tribute and and perhaps watch the movie and reminisce and you know share uh share stories on twitter about him uh while we're speaking about twitter you can find andy at drew j gallagher and that's g-a-l-l-a-g-h-e-r you can find me on twitter at language olympic and you can check out our crew at dfs coach talk on twitter and the website is dfscoachtalk.com we continue to welcome new members in and you can join us for a weekly, monthly or yearly membership. And that will be frozen until we get baseball or NBA back. Big news yesterday, and it sounds like the PGA is targeting June 11th that week to get back up and running in Dallas um, with a tournament with no fans. So starting to see, you know, that glimmer of hope with these major sports actually getting things on the schedule. And then I saw that Dr. Fauci came out and talked about his positive attitude towards sports coming back this summer, as long as there are no fans. So uh, hopefully we've got things trending in the right direction. Yeah, that sounds good. Um, I hope so. I mean, we want to do it safely and um, do, it, do it the proper way so you don't end up having to have a massive exit from the field and not and avoid any more uh, suspensions. Yeah, exactly. Let's let's plan and get everything in place and and do it right the first time. So once we're back on the field, we can just keep rolling. So um, as you know, if you've been listening to these podcasts, we are just digging deep here in this stoppage of play across all major sports and really strategizing for the return of MLB, NBA and eventually NFL so uh, we thank you for listening and, and being loyal to us here as this as this time period continues. We're trying to give the same back to all of you as our listeners, a little bit of a distraction for 45 minutes to an hour a day with our daily podcast, which is going to continue seven days a week. So uh, that's part of what we do here at DFS Coach Talk. And again, thank you for joining in. So today, Andy, we're going to get back to our two MLB teams per day. We're breaking them down. We're starting in the NL West. Yesterday, you and I did the Diamondbacks and the Rockies. And today, we've got the San Francisco Giants and San Diego Padres. 
two teams that were under 500 in that NL West. And we're going to kick it off with the Giants here. They were 77 and 85 last year. One of the few teams who was significantly better on the road. They only had 35 wins at home, but they were 42 and 39 on the road. So they may be one of the few teams that wouldn't mind playing down in Arizona or Florida um, because they don't really have that home field advantage. And they really don't have much of an advantage uh, across the board, really, as, as you break down their individual players, just not a lot to get excited about in terms of, of the fantasy aspect. So let's start going with the uh, – we'll go with the hitters first today. Um, and the guy that's likely to be at the top of the order when the Giants are facing uh, right-handers will be Mike Yastrzemski. And – that's a name from the past, grandson of the great Carl Yastrzemski. So uh, he's an exciting player because he was a rookie last year, and he burst onto the scene with 21 home runs in only 371 at-bats. He is a real value play. I mean, he's really, I think, the guy that I'll target the most out of the entire lineup. Um, you know, in these simulations on FanDuel, he's he's only priced at 2,400. So for a guy who averaged over 10 fantasy points last year per game, uh, that's a pretty solid value. So uh, he's a guy that I will look at. Next guy in the lineup is likely to be Buster Posey. And trivia question: Can you do you happen to know what his real name is? I do not. Okay, I would have given you a big prize if you did. It's, <laughs> it's Gerald Dempsey Posey. So no no wonder he goes by Buster, right? Yeah, those are definitely some like um, guys' names like from way back in the day. Seriously, it feels like an old school yeah. name. But you, you do have – Yeah, yes. right? Perfect. Some of those guys were multi-sport, I heard um, – in fact, with, with Robinson again, that he was a multi-sport. But I don't know what other sport he played. I guess that would be another trivia question for you. What what else did he play? I know he was actually he played he he ran track, and I believe he was also basketball and football. Oh, cool. Yeah, and I, yeah, I believe he went about, to uh, UCLA, and he was uh, a four-star athlete. So yeah, UCLA. Yep. Yeah, there was a something even on the the draft last night. Of, preview of the um, NFL draft where number one overall pick uh, he was he was also a multi-sport guy um, the quarterback for LSU Burrow yeah for basketball and he played baseball too so maybe we could figure out something to put up uh, for fun in the uh, discord chat for deepest coach talk of of, uh, who are the best multi-sport athletes maybe from the past or from the from the present yeah, that would be fun. It's always a fun discussion when you got guys like Bo Jackson, Deion Sanders, but Jackie Robinson taking it to the next level with being a four a four sport standout athlete. So um, we might just have to give him the nod today since it is his day. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> so getting back to Buster Posey and kind of the old school names. He is really that old school type player, tough catcher. But unfortunately, the last two years have been significant down years. And last year, for a guy who is a career 302 hitter, he only hit 257. His on base percentage 
Traditionally, 370 was all the way down to 320. And for a guy with a career slugging percentage of 456 to only come in at 368, just a real struggle for him. Um, pretty big sample size, too. You know, he's been playing a little bit less since the injury, but he had 405 at-bats. The only positive note for Buster Posey is that he, he came out strong this spring. He was 10 for 22, so he's hitting 455 with a home run and six RBI. So hopefully he'll come back and, and perform better this year, but I, I don't plan to invest in him anytime soon. Next no, guy. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. His strikeout rate went up last year. He provides no value in DFS. This is Posey. Exactly. So yeah. we'll, we'll wait and see if he can get back to his old all-star caliber form until we invest in him. Next in the lineup is Brandon Belt, the left-handed hitting first baseman. And the the one word I'll, I'll say for him is just blah. Guy only hit 234 last year. He did hit 17 home runs, but poor numbers on base, slugging. Um, just going to have to wait and see if he can – take it to the next level. Again, a guy I'm not going to invest on early in the season. And continuing the string of pretty big names for the for the Giants hitters, but just guys who've been underperforming. Next is Evan Longoria, slotted to be their cleanup hitter. He is coming to the season coming into the season with 297 career home runs. So, that'll be something to watch as he pushes for 300. Um he did manage to hit 20 home runs last year, but he only hit 254. He only knocked in 69. Again, just down years compared to his career. Cold so far in the spring, batting 200. So nothing to get excited about with Longoria. Next yeah, guy. Longoria, um, I want to mention, um, even though he lost his power in recent years, he had a bit of a resurgence last year. He's actually improved his ex-WOBA. So that wouldn't show in his regular stats, box score stats, but um, the numbers significantly um, being um, 352 in that area, the ex-WOBA, and um, the slugging also, you know, well uh, being well along up there, um, which is why he may be getting back up to a higher ISO um, as well, power overall. So um, I would look at him to um, utilize that going forward, probably in 2020. So maybe a sleeper pick. And one other factor that potentially could improve Evan Longoria is the new manager in town is Gabe Kapler. He's taking over for Bruce Bochy. And Gabe is a high-energy guy, bringing a different presence to the team. So he actually played at one point with Evan Longoria. So, um, you know, you never know. That could influence Evan a little bit. But I did want to mention – Gabe Kapler's approach because he was really well known for his analytics in Philly, but it didn't always go over too well in the clubhouse. And I heard an interview with Gabe Kapler this spring where he is looking to to make a bit of a a different shift with his mentality as a manager, where he's going to start valuing emotion over the analytical perspective a little bit more which is really important. And the reason he's going to do that is to try to give his players more confidence. And 
that makes a lot of sense to me as a former player. If you're just getting yanked left and right because your manager thinks there's a a one or two percent edge for you know this pinch hitter or that pinch runner or whatever the case may be, it's just unsettling as a baseball player. You want to get in the routine of having the confidence of I'm going to be out there every day. So that'll be a fun thing to watch with the chemistry in that clubhouse. And if, if Gabe Kapler can focus more on building relationships and, and factoring emotion into the equation, then, you know, perhaps they'll be more successful and he can get more out of these guys. Cause you know, as we've started to describe, a lot of these guys are coming in on down years and they could really use any sort of boost they could get. Um, Another reason I mentioned that is because of the next guy in the lineup. That's Alex Dickerson. And he's one of the guys who kind of ties this show together today, Andy. Because he, he played on San Diego and San Fran last year. But now he's going to he's gonna man left field against right-handed pitchers. And after he came over to San Fran last year, he batted 290 with six home runs in only 155 at-bats. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm I'm looking at him as a possible value play for a guy who, if he feels comfortable with that role of going out there every day against the right handers, then maybe he can, you know, continue on that decent production he had once he came over to San Fran last year. And he started off pretty well in spring this year. He's batting 320. So mm-hmm. he, he's one guy right now. He's priced at 2500 in those simulations. He's a guy I could look at to potentially invest in here or there uh, as a value play. Yeah, potentially because um, he's he's not a guy that has played a whole lot at all in the in the majors yet, but um, he has a high hard contact rate. Um, he strikes out below twenty percent, so that's good. You may have something there if he can keep healthy. Okay. Key. Excellent. All right. Well, next on the list is a, is another big name, Brandon Crawford. Uh, shortstop, of course, who has had a, a decent run of success there, but terrible year, terrible year last year. A lot of his numbers were the worst since way back in 2012 and 2013. He only hit 228, on-base percentage only 304, slugging only 350, just just really poor. And he's the he's the first to admit it when you hear him talking in spring training. So. You know, he, he's trying to regroup. He's hitting 391 in spring before we got the stoppage. Uh, and he really needs to pick it up. But, again, certainly not going to invest in him until I see it in the regular season. Yeah, I agree. I mean, he, he probably about that 2,500 range is what I remember him being at a lot of times last year. He probably provides some pop value here or there. Um, not a whole lot for DFS, of course. But he's a savvy veteran, you know, decent ground ball hitter and fielder but does not exceed in any any particular area. Yeah, only 11 home runs last year in 500 at-bats. So um, we'll, we'll wait and see on him. Next guy in the lineup is an interesting one. It's Mauricio Dubon, slated to hit seventh and play second base and potentially platoon uh, and shift over into the outfield against lefties. He made his debut in the majors last July – and he didn't make any outfield appearances, but uh, it does look like they're going to play him some in the outfield against lefties. And this guy does have some potential. 
he had a decent start last year in only 106 at bats. He batted 274 with four home runs, and he he had a nice uh, performance in the spring, batting 345 with two homers and three RBIs. So, so there's another guy, another young guy who got a little bit of confidence if if they're telling him, hey, we're going to throw you out there almost every day and and see what you can do and and you know. Farhan Zaidi and that front office, they're obviously trying to find young players that they can start to build around and, and incorporate and rely on. So he's got a real opportunity to make a strong first impression here coming out as a regular on opening yeah. day. I like um, the potential for a uh, good raw power and speed combo. Um, he's not been around a whole lot, you know, very long, but we'll see what he can do with an opportunity. It looks like he'll get the full opportunity at least uh, maybe from the seven hole and back absolutely and then continuing down the lineup the eight eighth hitter against righties is likely to be Jalen Davis he was a September call-up last year only batted 167 in 42 at bats only hitting 222 this spring so certainly not going to invest in in him uh, until we see something strong then in terms of the platoon guys Wilmer Flores is a bit of a breath of fresh air after an entire lineup of guys who hit well under 300 last year. Uh, This looks like Alex Dickerson, Yastrzemski, and Dubon were the only guys who hit over 270, and nobody hit over 280. So when you hear that Wilmer Flores hit 317 last year, in two, 265 at-bats, you start to wonder, geez, why, why is he not playing every day? But it does look like that he'll at least get in there against lefties and play second base. And for a guy who's only 2,200 on FanDuel, he's worth a look. Again, in addition to hitting 317 last year, he did hit nine home runs in only 265 at-bats. So he's got some power. He was actually second on the team in OPS last year behind Yastrzemski. So uh, keep an eye on him. He may get more and more at-bats as the year continues. Two other guys off the bench uh, who we should mention, Austin Slater. He He's likely to play some right field against lefties. But uh, after making his debut back in 2017, he hasn't done too much batted just 238 last year with five home runs. So don't don't plan to play him. And then finally, in terms of the hitters, Donovan Solano, he actually had the best batting average on the team last year. Uh, journeyman, utility guy, batted 330, just four home runs. Did hit 381 in spring training in the early going. Um, so a uh, guy who's going to spell Brandon Crawford at short, Decent player, uh, a good good name to know. Um, but as a whole, Andy, you know, these Giants hitters are just not going to make many of my lineups. No, it's difficult, you know, um, to really get those guys in there. And uh, so we'll have to see which guys can develop. they got a lot of developmental players and even some minor leaguers that they could bring up later on, um, not on opening day, but likely um, – you know, some way past the midpoint of, well, whatever the midpoint of a season may be this year. Yeah, and you're going to be all over that for our members. Uh, so, again, if you if you join DFS Coach Talk, 
uh, we'll be sharing that information in Discord in our chat area. So uh, so check in on that. Now, in terms of the pitching side of things for San Francisco, um, it's really another area that we can't get too excited about. You know, you've got some names like Johnny Cueto, but he's only had 13 starts in the last two years because of injury. Last year, he only started four games, 16 innings. Um, so we got to wait and see what's going on with his health. And he didn't have a very good spring, uh, ERA over 12 in uh, six and a third innings. So it would be nice to see him get back to his old form, but um, that's a wait and see in terms of health. Next guy we're looking at is Jeff Samarja. He has been he's been pretty reliable for the last five years. He's had exactly 32 starts. And last year he went 11 and 12, pitched over 180 innings, got you 140 Ks. Sort of downward trend on the strikeout rate, only 6.9 per nine innings. Good spring, though, two, uh, 2.08 ERA. So um, he's a guy that I would look at on DraftKings because the strikeout rate isn't very good, but his whip was 1.108 last year. And we know that those numbers are more important on DraftKings. So um, he's the first pitcher I'd look at on DraftKings out of the uh, Giants rotation. The next two guys are possibilities for me on FanDuel. Kevin Gosman, who split time last year between Atlanta and Cincinnati, um, he's coming in off of a, a down year, poor record, ERA over five. But he did strike out 10 guys per nine innings. So I, I do I do like that number on FanDuel. He's a, he's known as the gas can around uh, the industry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, there's a guy that at only 6,900 on FanDuel, you could get some value in terms of, of strikeouts. The next guy on the list is Drew Smiley. And he split time last year between Texas and Philly. Again, pretty poor numbers in terms of four and seven win-loss, ERA over six. But he struck out 9.5 guys per nine innings, zero ERA in the spring so far this year. And although he's got that attraction in terms of getting some strikeouts, the real key for Drew Smiley is actually attacking him with the hitters because get this he gave up 2.5 home runs per nine innings last year wow and i didn't see that yeah just a real big spike oh boy and then a a really important split to be aware of is you can actually attack drew smiley with some left-handed power hitters yeah He, he gave up an incredible percentage of home runs to lefties they hit home runs 11.9 percent of the time against him wow the whole pitching staff was pretty much up in that at least in that 1.7 range 1.7 per that, that's really a lot it's yeah up there as far as uh worst in the league yeah cueto was 1.7 in his small sample size mm-hmm. uh and so they add smiley he's at 2.5 uh really not good so Definitely attack Smiley with the, with the lefties. 
And last guy to mention here is Logan Webb. He was a fourth-round draft pick, so homegrown, homegrown talent for the Giants. He made his debut last year, went two and three, ERA over five. A uh, little bit better than the veterans in terms of the strikeouts. He had 8.4 per nine innings and good start this year in the spring with a zero ERA. And his home run rate was way down at 1.1. So if you're looking to attack guys at the back end of this rotation, I would stay away from Logan Webb and I would focus in on Drew Smiley. And then the last thing to mention is just the bullpen, Andy. We've got Will Smith, who was excellent last year, but he's no longer in town. He's going to be in Atlanta, and that's going to be a big hole for San Francisco to try and fill. He went 6-0 with an ERA under 3, 34 saves. Excellent strikeout rate, but he's gone, and, and there's a big question mark in terms of who's going to be their closer. Some of the candidates include Tony Watson, Sean Anderson, um, guys that have ERAs over four, and they didn't have anybody in the roster last year who had more than two saves. So yeah, um, we can we can probably anticipate that we we would enjoy having our hitters hit against the San Francisco bullpen unless something changes here in the near future yeah it is sort of fluid you go throughout the year you have different closers different relievers get in there overall the team had about only a five era last year so pretty bad pitching maybe to kind of sum up by the numbers the 2019 stats which will change but for this year um pitching overall they were middling 15th overall as a staff in era 18th in wins 14th in saves 12th ranking with a 249 batting average versus opposing pitchers for that ranking there, 12th overall. Yeah. So, you know, and you get into fielding, you got, um, they rank, they ranked 10th in fielding. So that wasn't bad. Ninth uh, in double plays. Okay. Well, bottom line is uh, before we transition to the Padres is, you know, Gabe Kapler's got a, a big challenge on his hands. It was kind of funny how, when I heard an interview and they asked him about his sort of uh, anticipation towards the season, his goals, his perspective, he was just focused. He, his response is one thing you're going to get is we're going to play hard. So, I mean, that's like the classic line from a manager. He's not, not expecting to make the playoffs, just wanting to develop the, the team. And, you know, on the flip side, you've got Brandon Crawford talking about, well, our goal is to make the playoffs and win the World Series. And of course, yeah. that's coming from a guy who's done it before. But, you know, sometimes the players have a, a little bit more optimism uh, than the, the coaching staff, the manager, the front office, who who know this is probably more about rebuilding. Unless they can get sort of yeah. a return to that um, star form out of their veterans, um, probably not going to expect no. too much out of this team in no, 2020. More forward, uh, really, to their whatever guys can come up. I mean, we're looking at really possibly an, another whole year, we're looking at 2021 until guys, significant guys, really come up and start to have rookie seasons. They got a guy in the minors still in double A, I believe, named Joey Bart as a catcher, and he could um, provide some re- replacement for Buster Posey. Um, but that won't be till later on. And then also there's an infielder shortstop, uh, Marco 
Luciano, um, who dominated the Arizona Summer League as a 17-year-old, hitting 322 batting average, 38 homers, 27 walks, and 38 games. Um, uh, so, you know, it's one of the high-ceiling young talents in the game, potentially future all-star. Then in the outfield, you got another guy named Heliot Ramos, I think. He hit 290 um, as a 19-year-old between high and double A. Um, he was a 2017 first-round pick. May not have a, a true plus total, but he's at least average cross across, you know, across the board with high offensive ceiling. Excellent. So, again, as we mentioned, stay tuned for those updates that we will give our members in Discord throughout the summer. And with that being said, let's transition to our second team here today, Andy. Let's get to the San Diego Padres, a team that went 70 and 92 last year. Mm-hmm. Do we have any more hope for them this this season? Yeah, that's more exciting. Um, so, you know, we want to look at um, overall with the team. They, um, you know, San Diego has they lost a couple guys uh, through trades. They did lose Hunter Renfro, and they also lost Manuel Margot. Sometimes Margot, a lot of times, he would be in a leadoff spot, and then Renfro would be maybe in a cleanup spot or somewhere around there. And he'd hit, you know, home runs, get some RBIs in, you know, good power. But I do like the guys they brought in to replace them, and some also some future um, arm talent they got in the um, farm system, and some pretty solid pitching. Overall, so um, their manager is uh, Jace, Jace uh, Tingler, and um, let's see. Uh, with the announcement of the hiring of Jace Tingler as a new manager in San Diego, um, it was made clear there that really not all uh, things are well. Things are not well at Petco Park. Uh, in the you know after a season which the Padres came out of the All Star break, feeling they had a chance to claim a playoff berth really for the first time since. 2006, um, but went home at the season's end, season's end, you know, falling short of the NL wild card in the West. So 19 backs, uh, games back in Milwaukee, in fact. So um, I believe there, this is one of the only teams not to get to win a World Series. Um, so, you know, there's not many of those teams out there anymore. Um, so... Yeah, so if, if you want to start, I'll start with the uh, the hitting there. Um, batting first is Fernando Tatis, Tatis, that is. His father was a good player there. Uh, you were a bit familiar with him, right? Yeah, nice uh, nice strong lineage there. And and Junior has started off pretty well. Yeah, so he's got had a lot of impressive numbers. He did well with a 410 BABIP, you know, if you want to – Take an average BABIP that would be at 300. Um, I doubt the, the BABIP will stay that high. It'll have to drop down, which will probably drop down some of the some of the other numbers from the rookie season. Um, you know, um, his 32% fly ball rate would probably also drop down, indicating inflated numbers. Um, he hit for power though and ran with speed. Um, had a 0.047 negative um, d- differential, so that's his expected WOBA. For probably maybe for this season doesn't sound like a lot but even though you know all the scouts have said this guy is real and everybody loves him as a fielder fielder as well we could expect a regression in the sophomore campaign i would sort of expect um you know you never want to rely on one year 
kind of evaluating guys for the season. But um, yeah, going pretty high in drafts. If anybody's having some of those um, in baseball, but showed off his max velocity as well, his barrel rate as a 21-year-old. So son of a player, good heritage there. So we'll, we'll still expect, expect good things from him. And then second, possibly looking at um, well, there's a few guys they're probably going to mix up this order. Um, I'm thinking Eric Hosmer. Um, he actually hit. He's a lefty. He hit below average as a hitter. You know, has not even hit 800 OPS in a few years. So he's been struggling um, the last couple of years. But maybe they're holding out on that 2017 year. He did a 882 OPS, 498 slugging that particular year. Um, you know, for that to come back though, that's kind of a, just a hope. But he does. He can hit very hard at 46 percent contact and, and with a line drive rate. Um, that's another thing we can look at. 22% probably up in the order like this. Sometimes you just need a veteran guy to step in and bring some runs for cash. You know, he's terrible versus lefty, but but should start out, well, you know, with full playing time based on the contract. He has one of those more hefty contracts still. And number three, you know, we probably got Manny Machado, of course, uh, pretty even split. He had very even of ground ball to fly ball rate, so he's um, even in that particular category, which means just that you know he can hit a ground or fly ball easily. Um, his BABIP was only 274 first full first full season away from Camden Yards, so the Orioles the Orioles there you know he had a, a lot greater seasons, but I expect these numbers to bounce back somewhat to what he did in Baltimore. Remember he was a top 92 percentile in all you know, batting categories um even if in a year of partial run at camden during the trade that was 2018 he he even st- struggled in spring training you know not going very well they're only two for 23 however his 300 million dollar contract secures a spot at third base of course so then we also got number four possibly will myers um Myers' profile is similar somewhat to Hosmer. He can hit line drives, has some power, uh, with a 34% uh, rate. That's strikeout rate, though. That's a killer. That's among the worst, very worst in, in the league. Strikes out a lot. But he can still bases as a savvy veteran, which, you know, Hosmer did not do much of. But um, not sure if he'll be at this cleanup spot. But um, he was hot in spring training, going 9 for 22. With three homers, five RBIs, working his way up to everyday at-bats. So that's looking good there. Um, possibly at the number five spot, Tommy Pham. Um, we're looking to use Tommy Pham for getting on base and, and um, on base percentage versus righties. The huge payoff here is bonus is possibly that Pham gets, if he gets back to one of his previous seasons, not, not 19, but prior to that, we're looking at approaching a 50% contact hard contact rate along with steals of 20, 20 to 25. I would project for a full season per season uh, that's, that he's getting. So he could be a valuable DFS option if the price is right. Um, didn't do much in spring training, but th- that everything suggests that he'll be healthy and ready to go despite soreness in his side he had during the spring. Um, he participated, interestingly, in a Sandlot-style baseball game organized by Trevor Bauer. So I don't know exactly when this was. So just something of note that he had some or they had some kind of organized activity, um, perhaps maybe just after the 
suspension started of the of the, of the, the games in spring training. Another interesting guy, uh, Jerickson Profar. He was with the uh, Oakland A's last year. He usually batted very low in a lineup like eighth or ninth in the American League. So he's coming over to the National League after losing, you know, Renfro and Margot that I mentioned to a trade. Fam and Profar, you know, they'll seem to work themselves nicely into the lineup at positions of need. Um, nice production, even though batting way down in the A's order, as I mentioned. But he can steal a base. He's very good um, in his average exit velocity, showing consistent, surprisingly, um, signs of power to add to his ground ball and line drive rate, even though, you know, having lower batting average and on base percentage, um, he's sneaky coming in perhaps right behind fam in the lineup. So maybe there's a good stack there. Yeah, Andy, it, you know, so far the description of these guys really a lot more power consistently across the board than the giants, for example, you're really, these guys sound a lot more like, the Diamondbacks where we were talking about yesterday, where one through six or even more, you can really look at 20 homers plus um, nice source of power. And as you started to mention, they're stacking a couple guys who might hit, you know, anywhere from sixth or second or sixth or seventh. Um, good team potentially to stack a couple guys out of and, and look for multiple home runs. Yeah, you know, on DraftKings, you can stack six guys. <laughs> so there's your six right there, the guys that just went over. <laughs> so look at something like that, possibly, yeah. Um, especially if they can, whenever they get out of San Diego, you know, that's a pitcher's park. Yeah, so, exactly. Exciting stuff there. But then after you, after that, you got still got potential even in the lineup after that. Um, Francisco Mejia. Um, as a catcher, he spent a lot of times in the Indians farm system, but his first full starting season up a couple years, he was, he spent in triple a, um, showed him to be struggling as a catcher. I'm talking defensively. He didn't show much hitting at all. So nothing in spring training, uh, happened with him as far as anything positive, but scouts say he can hit, but has shown nothing at age or any major league level yet. Um, but then the other possibility of catcher is Austin Hedges, we're looking at a split timeshare there, you know, ended the batting order, of course, more interesting for occasional power as they split that time. And so Hedges has more power at the moment than Mejia. So we'll see how that develops. Then you also got kind of rounding out things. Trent Grisham, I believe he's in the outfield. Um, he had a very good spring training, um, hit six homers, in fact, in 156 at bat. So he got some real nice playing time experience at that level. Um don't know a whole lot else about him. Um, anything else to add before I maybe get into the pitchers? No, I think that's a nice, nice overview. Okay. And then, um, oh, maybe Grisham, by the way, is the son of a player as well. I wasn't sure about that. Grisham. He, he Grisham sounds played, like sounds like he's, he's a, a Braves and Indians guy. Sounds like an author in the yeah. um, legal thrillers category. John John Grisham, that's the Grisham I know. Oh, okay. Yeah, he was, he was an outfielder of Grisham for the, the Braves and then the Indians later on in his career during the 90s. So then um, probably the first pitcher or, uh, in the rotation is Chris Paddock. He's a righty. His actual ERA was backed up nicely by his ex-ERA, right about the same there, so no difference. Um, 3.3 um, – I'm sorry – 
33% uh, strikeout per rate. Wait, is that right? 3.3, that's not right. No, 27% strikeout rate is good. So that's decent for strikeouts. And um, he relies on three different pitches. So he's got some diversity, mostly four-seamer at 60%, though, is what he pitches. He does some change-up at 28% and a little curveball. So very adequate in mixing them up. Um, very adequate at the two main pitches, but not bad at the curveball either, staying under um, 300 Woba allowed in that category of a pitch. Um, he needs to be more well-rounded and develop into possibly a nice ace for this team someday. He, he almost has um, 10 Ks per nine. So he's looking solid overall. Pitcher number two is probably Garrett Richards. He's a righty. Um, last couple shortened injury seasons, he threw over 10 Ks per nine. So that's really good strikeout um, using, but that's not real. As I would say, his career numbers show he's at more like 7.8 to 8.8 Ks per nine. So don't rely on that number. Uh, he does have up to a 96 mile per hour fastball. Is a specialty. He can get uh, he can get hit hard at times though on this pitch with hard contact over 40 percent and exit velocity allowed with some of the worst in the league. So it's really an easy spot to attack rather than use him. So and he came over from the Angels by the way the last couple of years. He had a lot of uh, injuries, so he's kind of hard to rely on. Pitcher the third guy is probably Zach Davies. Um, not only 6.4 Ks per nine through his career. So, however, a good ground ball pitcher um, grades out bottom 5% in the league in strikeouts. So you don't want to rely on that either as far as, you know, much upside or floor in DFS. The next guy, Denelson Lamette, he actually has a four-pitch selection. So really good diversified pitch types there he uses. 11.7 Ks per nine. Really good DFS option at a value price for sure. He's never been that highly priced from what I can recall. Top 7% of the league at 33.5 strikeout rate. So really good news there for Lamette and the, um, the staff there. And then finally, um, Lucchese. I believe he's a lefty. He had a good rookie year, 10 Ks per nine, and then fell off last year, though, going into his third season at only 8.7 um, Ks per uh, yeah Ks per nine. So his sinker um, hits up to just about 90 miles per hour. So he tops out at that speed. Um, most effective pitch is a changeup using that less than a sinker though compared to 35%. Um, sinker at 51%. Um, so perhaps you know that will go up in usage using his more effective pitch and um, being able to get into that. So overall the team by the numbers. Pitching, ERA last year was 4.6. That ranked 18th in the in major leagues. Um, wins, 23rd. Saves, tied for fifth. So productive bullpen. Opponents batting average, um, ranking 13th overall in the majors. Fielding, they got. Um, for some reason, I don't know why it's going to, this is going to improve, especially with Fernando Tatis, 28th ranked in fielding, 29th in double plays. So look for the future to get better with the, the young talent here. And they even have some more young 
<clears throat> talented arms in the minor league system. As a lefty, Mackenzie Gore, he went 9-2 and two with a 1.69 ERA and only 56 hits allowed in 101 innings between high and double A while featuring four-plus pitches. He's a 21-year-old, probably the best pitching prospect in baseball. And then another righty, Louis Patino. Uh, he's Colombian, uh, eight months younger than Gore, but shadowed him across high A and double A and has comparable raw stuff from the right side. The future of San Diego's rotation being extremely good there. So um, look to these guys to, at some point, get into the rotation. Excellent. I like that nugget on Lamette. That 12.9 Ks per nine, that does sound like a great value. Yes, yeah, highest on the team, surprisingly. I thought it would have been Paddock, but it was actually Lamette. And I'm just looking up some of these prices for the Padres in terms of these simulations. Tatis, right. the big stud um, who put up those big numbers in really only half a season, He's on pace. If he had had a full season, he would have been on pace for 40 home runs and 30 stolen bases. He's priced at 3,500 mm-hmm. in terms of the hitters. Everybody else is 3,000 or below. And if Machado gives you that bounce back season that you're talking about, he's at 2,800. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, <laughs> wow. And a guy like Myers who you mentioned obviously can he's got some power he stole 16 bags last year he's a, he's a minimum price player so this is a team that you really could stack a few guys and still have some money to spend on some other studs easily yeah i like that because yeah when you look at like today's for example simulation is colorado at san diego we got see yeah, the padres like you said yeah same prices 3k for hosmer Machado 28. You can get Fan for only 27. I like playing those guys. The new guy Grisham for 26. Profar only 23. Wow. Hmm. Looking good. Yeah, and like I we mean, said, those those are 20 homer guys, so yeah, well well under 3K. Watching them in some film study, you know that um, between Tatis and Machado there in the infield, they're going to be a nice defensive team. They're going to improve a lot. And they got a lot, plenty of hitting, I would say, power and speed overall to um, do some real damage in that division. Excellent. Well, I hope I hope our listeners enjoyed this breakdown as we can continue to work through the NL West. Tomorrow we've got the Dodgers and the Cardinals. I anticipate being on with Leighton tomorrow for that. Mm-hmm. Um, Quick reminder to uh, go check out MambaOn3.org. That's Coach's favorite charity uh, created by Kobe Bryant's wife in the wake of that uh, tragic helicopter accident. Um, Again, we are continuing to bring you these podcasts seven days a week in front of the payroll, in front of the paywall. So we would love to to have you give us a, a thumbs up, a positive review Wherever you're listening, uh, that's that's much much appreciated. We're going to continue to give you these podcasts seven days a week in front of the paywall. Like I mentioned, we've got the Dodgers and Cardinals tomorrow as we continue to roll through the NL side of things. Um, Andy, any final thoughts today as we wrap up on the Giants and Padres? 
That'll be it for me. Um, yeah, we did good. Excellent. Yeah, thanks for uh, for joining here again, being patient with me. We didn't have to worry about the internet today. Um, no. Just the the change in schedule as I got I got the call from the bullpen to come in for Micah Patria. So I enjoyed uh, enjoyed going back to back to back with you. Uh, th- that's what we're going to do this year. We're going to pick we're going to stack guys that can go back to back to back on their home runs. Mm-hmm. And maybe just maybe we'll we'll do it one of these days with the Padres. I think so. No <laughs> doubt. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, on behalf of Andy Gallagher, I am Andrew Hansen. Thank you again for joining us. And be sure to tune in again tomorrow for the next episode of DFS Coach. Oh.